0: Back in 2014, 15, like, podcasts were not a thing in Australia. I would ask people to come on my podcast. They'd say, what is a podcast? Everyone was like, don't do it. Don't do it. And I was like, nah, stuff it. Like, I'm going all in here. The worst that can happen, they don't re-sign me. I'll go pour beers. I don't care. It's tough work. But you want to live an extraordinary life, you have to take risks. It's that simple. It got to a, a very, very hairy point for a while there. The stresses that it was putting on the family was just, it was enormous. I just had a firm belief that I just keep turning up will work. What am I doing? Well, I could stick around and play an extra, let's just say a hundred games. All I'm doing is prolonging the beginning of the rest of my life. The biggest thing I regret is a lot of people, they create this monster in their head that doesn't actually exist. This monster of failure of like, oh, man, if this doesn't work out, my whole life's going to end. It's like, will it? so We have a very
1: special episode of the podcast. I've been looking forward to this one for a long time now. The man needs no introduction, so I'll keep it short. I just ask for some quick favors before we get into it. If you're watching this on YouTube, could you please drop a like on the video and subscribe if you haven't already. Turn on the bell notification so you get notified every time we drop an episode. We have some really, really awesome guests coming up that I really want you guys to see. Um, and if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. By doing all those things, it helps the podcast grow. The more the podcast grows, the bigger and better guests we get on, like denon So we'll get straight into the podcast. Let's go. All right. This episode is a very special episode. Not that everyone that we have on the podcast isn't special, but this is one I've been looking forward to for a while now. The man we have joining us today went from NRL Outcast to... Absolutely, insanely successful entrepreneur. He's the creator and the host of Australia's number one sports podcast with over a million downloads a month. Obviously, bloke in the bar. He's the creator of the best-selling beer in thousands of retailers across the country, bloke beer. Um, he's known as some as the fastest winger to ever play the game, <laughs> the people's beak. Uh, he's honestly one of the bi- biggest legends in 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 the game in terms of sports media in Australia. He's the most aroused man (laughs) in all of sports entertainment and the muesli bar enthusiast himself. (laughs) I'm of course talking about Denon and Kemp. First of all, I just want to say thanks for coming in. I know you don't do too many podcasts outside of your world, so we're very, very appreciative of your time. No,
0: nah, no, nah, thanks for having me. I'm just looking at your notes there. Holy heck is Dude, boss. I, do,
1: I fucking prepare a lot. Everyone's oh really surprised. God. Don't worry, we're not going to go question, answer, question, <laughs> answer. <I've laughs> There's just a lot done... of
0: highlighted stuff there. There's yellow, which scares me. Like, is yellow the more hectic question? So, you're going to get me Yellow's the
1: one that, you know, we do the punch ins on your face, okay, real dramatic. Yeah, okay, so, dramatic. we'll get into that. Um, a bit of
0: dramatic music behind it. Dramatic music Bring playing. The tears.
1: So. Look, man, there's so much to talk about with you. Obviously, you played 40 NRL games for the Broncos and Warriors. Did you play any for the Dragons or was that just like a little- Well, I
0: played a charity shield. Charity shield. look, is that half an NRL game? I don't know. It was the
1: most prestigious trial game. (laughs) So, we'll count that as, say, 41 NRL games. Um- but I know you've spoken on on podcasts about your playing career and how that transitioned. For me, obviously, we've been chatting a bit off air before we started. I want to talk about all the shit and the journey that you've got on post-career because, as I said, you really wrote the book for what's possible for an athlete post-playing career, not just rugby league, any any sport anywhere around the world. Um, but obviously, people can sit here and be like, look at Dan and he's incredibly successful, biggest sports podcast in Australia, selling thousands of of, of merch every drop. But it didn't it wasn't easy for you. It's not like you just started a podcast and you were massive, you went on a grind and you went on a real big like emotional journey. I'm sure that I want to kind of find out a little bit more about the journey you went on to to get here today, but where I think this conversation starts, not to start in like a sour place or anything, but obviously that retirement decision. Now, I didn't know about the kind of situation around your retirement and that decision until I was doing my proper research on you. So for those who don't know, you're over a thousand days since you'd last played from Broncos, you came back to the club, you're announced you're going to be playing. And then two, two days before the, you know, the, the game, the coach calls you in, we don't name any names to, to call anyone out. It's not about the drama. Um, and then you find out after telling all your friends and family that they're going to go in a different direction and you won't actually be making your debut after you've I'm sure secured tickets and whatnot for friends and family. Talk to me about, as someone who worked so hard to get back to that place, Broncos is the club you loved. You wanted to get back mm. to them so close and have that ripped away from you. Where was your mental state then? Obviously this moment led to the retirement, but break that down for me and talk to me about kind of, you know, was it a dark place in your head? Were you frustrated, angry, bitter? What was it?
0: Um, I guess it's it's hard to put yourself back in that position because it was so many years ago and you can, you know, memory is a funny thing. You know, you can feel like you remember a certain way and then you go back and it was different. And, but Obviously, I was disappointed. Obviously, I was, um, you know, wanted to play again. In saying that, it actually, oh, it was it was disappointing at the time for sure. And when that happened, I realized, you know what, like, what is the difference between, between playing fifty NRL games and hundred NRL games? They're really, you know, some might say, oh, well, you're not a real NRL, NRL player until you play a hundred or whatever. But uh, like, I don't think so. I think that you know, as long as you play whatever the number is, x number, um, you know, more than three or four and you play 15, 20, you can really say you're an NRL player. Um, I mean, even if you play one, you could say you're an NRL player. But anyway, the internal kind of argument is if you haven't played 100 games, you're not really an NRL okay. player. That's, is that like, that's is in that the, the, internal, the boys club? Yeah, that's yeah. that's the, the NRL. Like that's what the big dogs say. So, well, it's <laughs> yeah. easy if you just say you play 300 games. Um, so obviously I was disappointed at the time. Uh, I didn't like how it was all kind of handled. But ironically, I'd, because I'd gotten back to that point, after I'd already quit the game, it just reinforced to me that – and this sounds, you know, really arrogant or whatever, but it's I guess it's just the way it is. It just reinforced to me if I want to play NRL, I can. It's not actually that – it's hard, as in you've got to do hard work, but I have the natural ability to do it. And so going away, quitting, getting called up, you know, in January or whatever, coming back to Broncos preseason, playing well enough to even get named in the side, so you're you're there or thereabouts. uh, That's where I was kind of like, oh – you know, it just reaffirms to me that this this wasn't a fluke coming from soccer to league. This was something that I can do. And then I just made the decision when that happened and that disappointment happened. I was like, what? What? What am I doing? Like, I could sit, stick stick around and play an extra, let's say, let's just say, a hundred games. You're never going to get paid that much because I'm a smaller winger, and all I'm doing is prolonging the beginning of the rest of my life. The longer I stay in, especially with the idea that you know, my brother was a doctor. My sister was incredibly successful at what she's doing. Um, so I knew that, look, I'm not as smart as them, but the apple can't fall that far from the tree. <laughs> I must be like close genetically to my brothers and sisters. Uh, so I knew that, you know, I had more to offer than just playing sport. And that was kind of the, look, What I w- if I keep playing, I'm prolonging the rest of my life, the start of the rest of my life, but also I'm damaging my body more because that's when the research started to really get clear about damaging it is to to your body and not that i'm a i think that the game should you know go in the direction of making it really guess, safe and bubble wrap everyone but you do have to make the choice of like okay i've played nRL i've played 40 over 40 nRL games i can play 80 nRL games and have way more damage and start my life two or three years later or four or five years later or i can go yep there's a good ride let's go and start the rest of my life now talking about that you know, prolonging the
1: rest of your life. Is it usually with athletes that have had this high, do they usually go the other way and they want to do everything they can to preserve it for one more year or one more game? Mm. Is that like a generally for athletes, the people you've spoken to is that decision to keep prolonging this period? Is it something that they usually lean into the other way and try and prolong it to as long as they can. So they don't have to deal with all that uncomfortable feelings of what's next. Who am I? The Mm. identity crisis of I'm not a first grade footy player anymore.
0: Yeah. Look, I think it'd be different for everyone. I think that a lot of footy players just love playing footy. So it's what they love doing. They're going to do it for as long as possible. Uh, I do think that there would probably be some that are sitting there going, well, I don't know anything else. You know, I'm, I I left school in year 10 or I didn't really focus that much in school. I didn't go to uni, not that that really matters anymore. But I have to go back and start all the way again. And I, I started all the way again. When I quit footy, I started my mature age electrical apprenticeship. So um You know, having to go from running out in Suncorp Stadium to, you know, lead hands treating you like shit. And also they're treating you even more poorly because you did play. Because of that, right. Um, And it's not like it's, it's just natural for, you know, in a group of men, someone used to be a big dog somewhere else. He comes to you and you're the big dog there. I get to bully him around. It makes me feel good about myself. Not all leading hands are like that, but obviously you're going to get some of that on the work side. Um, yeah, so I I don't know about everyone. I think most people stay in it for this long because they love the game. But I do think there are a small portion that go, "Well, what's next?" Like, and they don't maybe they don't believe in themselves that they can actually do and achieve much more after rugby league. Um, and look, I'm extremely lucky that you know my dad worked his ass off and his dad worked his ass off to be able to you know send me. Just it was a normal school, but just instilling me that it's important that even though I'd never did any homework, but it's just important that you concentrate in these areas because it'll give you, you know, access to more things later on in life. Uh, so yeah, look, I think it's a mixture of everything, to be honest.
1: And look, obviously now you never would have known at the time, everything's worked out as perfectly as they could. Right. But at the time I know putting myself in your shoes and I want to know if you had any of these thoughts yourself, you're like, obviously you left a little bit, you know, not happy with how it unfolded, but was there any regret? Not at, you know, just the way your footy career. Um, panned out. But the fact that you had offers from AFL, you had offers from soccer as under 15s, I found this really cool. You playing for like the Queensland Royal side, you went over and beat the under 16s, Manchester United Academy side, like clearly a very talented athlete. Were you at that point ever like, fuck, I wish I picked soccer or I wish I gave AFL a crack or?
0: Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I think the only the biggest thing I regret is my talent deserved more, you know, so I had, I was fortunate enough you know, through a roll of the dice, to have the genetics to be athletically gifted, uh, and you know, I just yeah, like I should have played a lot more NRL. But you know, when you look back and go, would I change this? Would I change that? Well, then I wouldn't be exactly where I am today. You know, let's say I let's say I played 250 NRL games, and then I just did something else after rugby after rugby league. I would I, there's no way I would trade those extra 150 NRL games or whatever the number is, 200 games to not be where I'm at today. So you can, you can look back and go, what if this, what if that, you know, maybe I should have stayed in soccer or, you know, AFL would have been good or stayed longer in rugby league, but then I wouldn't be like, I genuinely wake up every morning and feel like I'm the luckiest bloke alive. So why would I change anything in my past when there's so many people out there that would absolutely kill to have what I have. So like that would almost be insulting to yeah, everyone else. No,
1: without a doubt. Now, Obviously, you went from, from footy, you went, you, you did your electrical apprenticeship and were working in the mines down in Marulan Way. Um, was that straight away you knew that was going to be your, your fallback plan, fallback plan, you were going to go try that? Or was there a little bit of a couple of weeks, and months like what am I going to fucking do next?
0: Uh, it definitely wasn't the fallback fall plan of this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. It was more as a man, you need to go and get a job and whether you hate it or like it. You need to begin to prepare for when you're older. You're going to have a wife. You're going to have a child. And so that was really the only reason why I got the electrical apprenticeship. I had no real – I put it this way. I didn't enjoy a single day. There's not a single thing that draws me to uh, being an electrician. Not that it's not a good job. It pays pays really well. Good, honest job. I personally just didn't get the enjoyment out of it that I do in other things. Like I get a lot of enjoyment out of the creative side of – not that I'm some, you know, artsy creative because <laughs> creative, I'm not – but I get a lot of enjoyment out of, you know, talking to people, talking on podcasts, creating content, creating videos, writing articles. I, that's, that's something that doesn't feel like work for me. And I know I'm extremely lucky to have that. Um, whereas, you know, I, there's a lot of guys that don't enjoy being a Sparky, but unfortunately, they're just in a position where they've got to make a tough choice of my own happiness or my family's happiness. And they make their, their family's happiness before themselves. And I just got, I guess, fortunate that everything aligned at the right time and mixed in with a bit of hard work.
1: And and you mentioned like going back to, to like working under like the lead foreman and whatnot, you're now like the bottom of the food chain, you're dealing with this banter. And I know that's something you had to adjust to moving from like soccer into footy, culturally very different sort of, you know, oh, locker rooms, very right. sort of different banter in the way they speak. Did you, you, you had to be, you know, especially at the Broncos when they're at the peak of the peak, a lot more old school back then, not that it was ages ago. Did you did you think to yourself, fuck, how have I ended up back here dealing with this stuff? I've got to, you know, earn everyone's respect again. And just like, just a quick one for me. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you'd know that after scaling Happy Skin Co. to over $10 million per year, I spent close to 18 months creating the viral brand builder program which teaches someone with zero experience, how to launch and scale their very own e-commerce brand. With over 100 training videos and direct access to me, including one-on-one calls, you'll be guided throughout the entire process. Now, we already have a bunch of incredible results from students that are making multiple five and six figures per month. So if you want to learn how to build a business that has the potential to completely change your life, then click the link in the description and book in an application call today. Spots are limited as you'll be speaking directly to me. So hopefully I'll chat to some of you soon, but until then, let's get back to the podcast.
0: Um... Not really, because like the guys that were dicks, I was old enough to know like you're just unhappy. <laughs> like yeah, you just you, you just have a shit. Right? Yeah, you just have a shit life. Whereas when you're younger, um, you know, at no point would I regret going to rugby league like the whole time I was very focused and and knew what I needed to do. Uh but when you're younger, you you don't realize and also the banter, it wasn't actually the leading hand banter, it's not banter, it's just being a dick. <laughs> okay. Whereas whereas the you know, the Broncos, it was, you know, there's a certain way we treat people to see if they're gonna soak. do they have the mental fortitude to be a part of this elite group? Uh and, you know, a lot of kids, a lot of young kids coming out, they don't they don't fit in. Um, and sometimes some people fit right in straight away and some people take a little bit longer. Look, it's it's way different now. I I know it's an old school way, but I look the Broncos was extreme, but I understand the importance when you're in a group of men, and I can only speak men specifically. I can't speak for women. Uh the importance of you know, hierarchy, respecting your elders, respecting people that have been there and done it and understanding that, you know, if they're, you know, putting shit on you or a bit of banter, it's just about, are you one of the boys? Everyone's been through this. Are you going to go through the same? It's almost like, you know, 50,000 years ago, that ceremony is where you would become a man. It's similar to that. It's a tradition of this is what you need to do to become a man in this community. Are you willing to do it? And it's just, that's that's just the way it is. Now it's very different now. Now the young guys come in and they're, it's all about, you know, everyone's on equal footing and there's positives and negatives to both. Like I I like the fact that these young guys are coming in and when they debut, they're super confident. But at the same time, sometimes they're overconfident and sometimes hierarchies should be, you know, um, addressed. So th- there's good and bad in everything. Uh, I lean a little bit towards old school, but I also see the merit. Like you look at the Broncos and the Panthers, for example, super young, everyone's equal. And look at the success that they're getting. So like people that sit there and go, oh, there's only one way to do something. It's clearly not true. Like there's so many ways to get to a certain point. You just got to try to find the balance between don't throw the baby out with the bathwater with tradition, but also we have to progress as, as a community or a society. Yeah.
1: You, you answered my next question. I want to know where you kind of sat on that, but you answered that perfectly. Now, before I answer the next question, I'm just super paranoid. I want to make sure we don't miss anything. Can you just spin it? Because these are more directional than the oh, ones okay. you use. Yeah, sweet. No, I just... We I get got, it, bro. We got trust the goat me. in here. I am not fucking trust it up. It. Um. So yeah. So where I wanted to go. Uh, what? Where, where were we? We can fucking cut this part out, Joe. Um. Cool. So obviously you're working in the mines of the Marula. now. One of the coldest places in Australia, apparently, because of the wind chill. Now you're catching the buses there. I've I've heard you speaking about this. What are your thoughts on those buses? What are you saying to these other boys around <laughs> you when you're travelling to side every day?
0: Well, would have been worst employee ever. So <laughs> I'm a mature age apprenticeship. And, you know, all the young boys would sit with each other, all the older boys, you know, would sit with each other on the buses out to, you know, when we get, so we'd be, have Laha, which is living away from home allowance. And so we were staying in these, you know, little motels that were okay. They weren't, you know, flash, but also they weren't terrible. And so we'd get to work and then we'd get in our buses and head out to where we were on site. Now, this was an above ground mine, So I didn't have to go underground, thank goodness, because I, you know, hats off to blokes that do and, and shills that do. Anyway, so every morning with the young fellas, like, you know, the banter would start. And every morning I would just be like, boys, there's got to be more than life in this. Like, <laughs> like, is this what is this what our life was? Like, we get this one life and then you're gone for infinity <laughs> and this is it. And so the boys, like a lot of the younger boys would agree, but other boys would be like, man, shut up, man. Like, you're making this so depressing. Um, and ironically, a lot of that younger crew that I was in, have all branched out and are doing things they're passionate nice. about on. Uh, and look, I know it's um, it's almost an unfair thing. Like I, I I do get a bit frustrated when, you know, your your generation judges the older generation, but it's like you don't know the, the time and place that they were brought up in. You don't know, like, for example, I remember like the last words that my grandfather said to me was good luck with the beer, shook, shook firm handshake. He was on his deathbed at hospital. That was the last thing he said to me, good luck with the beer. He could not believe that his grandson had a beer. It it didn't make sense in his mind. And the reason why I bring that up is because to me, with all the opportunity we have in this generation, that's not like to chase your dreams. Like you can do this, you can do that. The generation before us, they didn't have that opportunity. It was wake up, go to work and just get by. Um, And so, yeah, like a lot of the younger guys in that crew ended up taking different paths. Whereas the older guys, obviously, you know, they've got mortgages, they've got families, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, sometimes I get frustrated when we judge our past and we look at our past and go, Oh, that's bad, that's wrong. And it's like you to, to judge these people in a different time period with different cultural, um, expectations, with so much was different back then to what it is today. And ironically, our kids are probably going to judge us and not realize that this was this, this is what it was like at the time. So, um, Yeah, I would have been worst employee ever, making it depressing as on the way to work. But I guess that was just me kind of expressing like I needed to do more.
1: But the internet was the great leveler, right? Leveled the playing field, made it like that. You can start a business, whether you don't even need any cash down at the start. It doesn't Mm -hmm. need to be buying stock. It can be starting a channel, recording it off your phone, uploading it to YouTube. There's so many ways that we're so blessed and lucky. What would you have been like? And and I'm the same now. You said something when I was doing some research. You said like, you believe you can do anything. Anything you want to do, you believe you can do. I'm the same, but there's a catch. I can't make myself do something I don't want to do. Mm. And if I don't, like, not me, Dylan, yes, I want to do it. Do I really want to do it? If I don't, I'm the, I'm the fucking worst. <laughs> what would you have done if you were born 30 years earlier and, like, you still had these feelings of, like, you know, I want to go and live this great life, but you don't have the opportunity there. Have you ever thought about what the fuck it, Dannon would be doing if he was born? You're I'm, one of the older blokes. Could you have hacked
0: it? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a good grinder. Like I can, you know, I watch my father wake up at four every morning, you know, for 30 or 40 years, go to work, drive an hour and a half to Brizzy, come back to Gold Coast, basically fall, like he would get back from Brizzy, drive an hour, like so he'd wake up at 4am, he'd go up to Brisbane, work all day, come home, pick me up from home and then drive me all the way back up to Brisbane for soccer training. Um, then he would drive us home and he'd be like falling asleep at the wheel pretty much, which is obviously dangerous, but- that's how desperate he was to give me an opportunity, uh, and that's why, like you know, when people get caught up in their own ego, you say you're standing on your father and his father and your mother and their mother's shoulders. Like you would never be where you are unless they did made their sacrifices. Like my my grandfather, he was underground at, in the mines at 14 years old, Wow. and his main goal was just to make sure my dad got an education. Again, that's a you know the respect for people that have come before you. Um, but yeah, so i'm I'm pretty good at going through like just grinding. I think sport has taught me good lessons in that of just just shutting everything off. Army camps teach you a lot about that too. I've been on a, quite a few of those. They teach you a lot about just put your own feelings aside and just grind um but yeah, it would have been look it's hard to say whether I would have been good or good at it because it's an unknown unknown where if you're in that period, what you don't know. Doesn't like so you're not going to be sitting there going there's a better life out there you're going to sit there and start looking for things that make you happy and you go okay I hate my job but when I get home I get to see my wife and my children and that makes me happy
1: yeah we're so shaped by our time like it's like a stupid hypothetical because there's no way to we're no way so to shaped know. by our time yeah. you
0: know, the, the internet it is the great equalizer but it's also a big reason for people's unhappiness because they constantly look online and believe these you know let's let's say you scroll through Instagram and you see twenty no. I'll say 50, you wouldn't, but let's say you see 50 images of people your age living an incredible life. You would assume day after day you go through it 50, 50, 50, 50, even though you don't see 50, 50. You would go, oh, that is the normal standard of living, but it's not. That's not real life. First of all, it's probably not real. Second of all, even if it is real, it's the internet. So it's like you're getting the, usually, you know, we're still connected to, you know, our evolution of 200,000 years ago. You should really only be getting your whatever's in your village is. That's all we can compute. That's that's all you can compute. Um, And so, yeah, the internet definitely was a great equalizer, and if you use it correctly, it's it's a superpower. Um, But at the same time, it it makes people unhappy because they think, well, I should be like he's twenty eight and or he's thirty five and he's worth twenty million when in reality, like. That's not normal. That is almost a lottery ticket that they are doing that.
1: Yeah, comparison is the thief of joy and it's like our brains developed over hundreds of thousands of millions of years and then in the space of say 30 years, everything's changed. It's like we expect our brains to be able to, you know, catch up with that and sometimes you can and if you have a solid foundation for your thought patterns and if you are a firm believer that like you are not your thoughts and you control your thoughts, I think there's a way to, you know, rise above that in a mm. way. And, and I'm not saying it's easy, but also for the people that do struggle with that, we need to cut ourselves some slack because it's like our brains are just like organic matter mm. that has, you know, developed so slowly. And with the world going now, have you seen people rocking around with that Apple vision, Pros yeah, and yeah. driving their Teslas and not like it's fucking, it. we're living it's, in the
0: future, man. That, that is something that spaces me out every day. Like things happen. So gradually you get used to them. Like we're watching people, we're live streaming on Twitch, we're watching them play video games. There's, there's reality TV about people marrying each other the first time they meet each other. Like if you had said that 30 years ago, they would have said, that's a dystopian future. <laughs> yeah. But because cars aren't flying around, we all go, oh, yeah, we're not in the future. It's like, hang on a second. Like there's people walking around with alternate realities literally in their glasses. Like it's I craziness. feel like
1: this, this the, the Apple Vision Pro is the biggest leap that's happened for a while that I'm like, wow. Like that's, okay, fuck, we've arrived now. To go back to the minds. Now, I know you ended up leaving in the last year of your apprenticeship, which is skipping a little bit ahead, but what point in the first year, second year did you realize, obviously you realized that, hey, there's got to be something better, but at what point does that thought and that aching for something more turn into, hey, maybe I'm going to start something, whether it be a podcast or anything, Mm. when does that start to turn into something that could be a real-life possibility? I know there's a story from – when you were a playing career, you're almost going to start like a gaming YouTube or something <laughs> like that.
0: Man, I should have done that. I would have been so <laughs> rich. It was so early. So early. It was 2011. I'll Dude. see you doing that. Could you
1: imagine that at the Broncos? And you're like, oh yeah, guys, didn't jump on Twitch or, or it didn't even exist back yeah.
0: then. Jump on YouTube, would it smashed at the Broncos. Um,
1: Do you so- remember when it was? Yeah. yeah well, like- I've
0: already had. always felt, you know, I've always had this inherent, um, I guess, urge to you know, do things that are special. So I always envisioned a very special life for myself. Uh, that doesn't, I'm not sitting here saying like I'm better than anyone else at all. Just me personally, my own standards for myself. If I was to do something that was quite standard, I'd feel disappointed in myself. Um, so that was the idea of, you know, creating a special life was always a plan. Even when I was like super young, that was something that I always wanted to do. When, in, in regards to podcasting, man, I, I don't know when the the real time was. It probably was when I was listening to Joe Rogan experience I don't know if Tim Ferriss was out by then, Sam Harris, to a degree, um, you know, listening to them, and I was like, yeah, you know, I really like this. I I grew up on the internet. I grew up on computers, so I was already before podcasts had kind of become a thing. You know, the YouTube channel was an idea. I even set the YouTube channel up. I gave it a name, all that good stuff. Um, and so I was always there or thereabouts with that. I even I even edited like a, a gaming. <laughs> A gaming clip and uploaded to the channel, which will never get revealed. <laughs> what um, game
1: What game was it? Has it that was Starcraft. 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 I don't even know what that is. Yui, Yui. Starcraft it, Yui has a gaming um, video with like millions of views from, what was it? Minecraft or something. So he's Minecraft. You he don't know what OG. StarCraft
0: is? Oh, and you, and you play Minecraft. What year was that? Your Holy. Minecraft video? 2012. How old are you?
1: 25. He's a baby.
0: Okay. That's maybe why. Wow. You don't know what StarCraft 2 is. That's crazy. It's a Blizzard game.
1: Oh, okay. So like the- wa- Blizzard, Blizzard wa- make World of Warcraft, Warcraft
0: Starcraft and Diablo. Starcraft 2, it's it's like the number one sport in uh, South Korea.
1: Really? E- esport, Esports. Esports is fucking yeah, crazy. Yeah, so
0: Starcraft is their number one sport. Wow. Yeah, yeah. so it's huge, huge. Um, yeah, anyway, so like I'd always been keen on that kind of stuff, consumed all that internet content, obviously a gamer growing up, played a lot of A little of bit of ahead world. of your
1: time, like in terms of like a consumer of like technology and the yeah, internet. Yeah,
0: and- it was just growing up like, you know, I, I had- I had a friend growing up, but not a lot of friends growing up. Um, so I spent a lot of time, you know, by myself playing video games. And, you know, I, I enjoyed being online because, you know, everyone was equal. You could just be friends with whoever, you know, didn't matter what they looked like or who you were or your backgrounds. Everyone just, you know, we were, especially at that time of the internet, you had a a small pool, relatively speaking of internet enthusiasts. So it's almost like The start of I'm like with Minecraft. When Minecraft first started, it's people that love the game. Now Minecraft, it's super casual. Mm -hmm. People that like they're there just trying to make money off it. It's become a commodity kind of thing. Same thing with the internet. You know, back then it was all just people that you know almost a bunch of misfits really. So girls and boys that maybe didn't have many friends at school could come on the internet after school and you know play games. You know, RuneScape, WoW, Ultra Online, EverQuest, whatever it was. And that was their community. That was their friendship. Um, and so, yeah, I found a lot of, I guess, happiness in that environment. Uh, and so, I, yeah, I was always into, you know, internet culture and all that stuff. So it was always like there bubbling under the surface. And then obviously started listening to Joe Rogan, you know, I'll be at the work site. Don't do this, guys. OH&S would absolutely – I actually got suspended once because of ohs but it wasn't because of this. <laughs> um, so I had my hard hat on because it was so cold, I'd have a beanie on. And so I would. I bought these wireless headphones and had the wireless headphones underneath my beanie so you couldn't see that I was actually listening to stuff all day long. And they used to make me do – I want to be clear, I was not doing anything important. All I was doing was pulling cable and cutting cable ties, which is monotonous as anything. Um, and I, when I say cutting cable ties, I'm talking like you rock up to work, the boss – and the boss was really nice. The, the, the company I work for I actually really did like. You walk up and they'll go, there's an 800-meter cable tray of <laughs> – Cable ties, not not one cut. There's like eight per row. And there's so eight down, then you might go, I think it's a meter, another eight down. That's 800 meters worth of it. Not even a meter, maybe less. Um, And you've got to cut every table tie so that it's smooth and doesn't nick people when they're trying to work on it. So, like when you cut it poorly, you know, people working on it will cut themselves because the cable tie is just sharp on the edges. And yeah, that's your day's work. Not even a day. You won't get through that. Oh, you might get through in a day. Um, Or, you know, we've got, Twenty drums of you know whatever mill cable you're pulling cable all day long, and so yeah, I would just be listening to podcasts all day, um, and that's when I was like, you know what, like I'd love to do this. So, You know, I've always been really interested in people's stories. I'm, I'm a firm believer that every single. It's always like weirded me out. Like when you're walking through the street and you just like walk past just a random person, you'll never see them again. They won't even register on your memory. And that person, every feeling, everything you've ever gone through, they went through it too. And then everyone around you. It's the same as well every it's like this crazy like trees everywhere of just lives lived and we kind of just brush past each other like it's nothing like and you're so focused on yourself you think that it's like you think you're in the truman show it's all about you you think you're sitting there going oh man my life's been so crazy all this crazy stuff's happened to me crazy stuff's happened to everyone like granted there's there's levels for sure people have some people have good lives some people have bad lives, but every single person has a story. It's just whether they're willing to sit down. And like, for example, sometimes you might get someone on a podcast and it will be very vanilla, cookie cutter. And it's not that they don't have a story. They're just not comfortable enough to say that story to the internet right now. Everyone does. I promise you, if you sat them down a few beers deep, maybe day two, I don't know. Um, they'll tell you a pretty incredible story.
1: Yeah. hundred. Everyone's the main character in their, own, in their own universe. And that's like, I've had that thought as well. And it trips me out at times thinking like, Everyone can seem so insignificant when you, cause you're just so consumed with your own thoughts and your own problems and stresses. You forget that every person that you just walk past and you like kind of bump shoulders and you're pissed off at him. You think what a dickhead, like who knows what that bloke's going to. And do his missus stuff. could
0: have just left him. Like it's just like anytime there's a negative interaction, unless they're like a psychopath or a narcissist or something like that, usually if they explain to you, I'm feeling this way because X happened to me, you'd be like, you know what, bro,
1: it's you all good, it, baby. Yeah. It's
0: all good. We don't need to – I understand where you're coming from. You
1: got it. So just to go back to, to to the story, one question I did want to ask, just thinking about that, how's your lower back after fucking eight to 12 hours mate. of overcut in cable ties?
0: The Gary Jack was absolutely <laughs> gone, absolutely gone. Um, oh, I'd
1: be in a wheelchair after doing that for a week.
0: Mate, Mate, well, longer than a week. That's all I did. That's <laughs> yeah. all I did. Uh, yeah, I was all right. As I said, like, you know, we got paid relatively well and my, my actual bosses and that, they were a really, really good understanding and – they were very actually good in the transition out. They understood that it would take a little bit of time, um, so I'm really that was, they were called ARA Electrical. They were outstanding. Yeah. Like a lot of people were like very negative with their employees. I actually thought ARA Electrical were really really good. Did really it the good. Right way. They, like you know, was work fun? Like no, but that's not their fault. Like they they got a job to do. Yeah. But they, they were just really um, just really good to deal with and very understanding and yeah, they, they took care of me.
1: Which is, I think, important as well because it can be a very tumultuous time in an ex-pro athlete's life, that next sure. phase, right? It's important to have good people around you. Now, inspired by Joe Rogan and you just decide one day when you're on, like, not the most amount of money in the world, you're going to go drop 5, 6K on podcast gear. Yeah, is that yeah. Just, was that a spare of the moment thing? Was that a, your way of getting pre-commitment to follow through? If I drop this much money? I'm gonna to have to try, like what what was that thought process
0: like? Uh no, nah, like once I make the choice to do it, I'm gonna do it. So I don't need kind of outside things to force me into it. But, you know, before that I'll um and R ah for quite a while. So I mean I was thinking about it for over a year pretty much, like, should I do it? Should I do it? Then I go, you know what? I'm gonna do it. And then, you know, you sit back and go, Okay, what's the what's the eject seat? Um, what's the worst that can happen? Well, the worst can happen, I get a thousand downloads a week or something like that, or even less than that. And I can, whatever I do going forward, so the worst that can happen if I continue to do this is whatever I choose to go into going forward, I've got 1,000 people a week that I can promote that business to. And people might go, you know, we see you know Joe Rogan, 20 million downloads, whatever. Like, again, stop comparing yourself to a person. A, he's in America, it's 330 million people there, but also he's worldwide. But it's like, if I'm an electrician coming out of work and I'm advertising for free, Let's just say there's 500 people that are in Sydney. Think about how much more of a head start that is than everyone else, uh, and that's the way I looked at it. So worst case scenario, if I finish my apprenticeship, it's not going crazy. Um, I'll start working for myself as a Sparky, and I'll get the the little kickstart I need as a Sparky. Best case scenario, obviously it works, um, and you know then I get to live the dream. Really, get to live the dream. So those
1: early episodes, once you actually started filming it, like that ep- that first episode with Bo Ryan, we used to. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Great, I checked it out yesterday. Just
0: fucking. Did you like the little colourful lights in the the
1: background? So good. So good. I think as well, obviously, like your (sighs) personality and like your comfort on fucking in front of the mic has gone. You know, some people might see you now and be like, oh, he's a natural disease for him. No way. Watch watch the first first episode and watch the progression. It's fucking crazy. But so you were still working and like, driving to, you know, Sydney or wherever to record, driving back to like.
0: So I had, so what I did was to get around the idea of having my, cause I couldn't afford a studio. I couldn't afford an editor. I couldn't afford anything. So basically I said, well, what I'll do is I'll teach myself how to do the whole thing. So I went on YouTube, taught myself how to edit, Photoshop, audio. I taught myself how to put together all the equipment. So, you know, the the interfaces, the, the switch, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I just, went on YouTube and learned everything I needed to learn. And then I was like, okay, so the biggest, I guess, uh, wall between getting guests on is usually where they live and also just time. Like, So if you say to a person, oh, I want to have you on, and they're like, yep, oh, we I, it's, the studio's 45 minutes away, they'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll let you know. And then, you know, obviously it falls through. Understandably so because, like, what do they get out of it, you know, back then especially? I mean, people literally didn't know what a podcast was back then. And so I was like, you know what I'll do is I'll get – Media pop up walls that fold out of this, like, bag, these two, like, luggage bags. They fold out and they lock in together, like a two, I think it's 2.2 by 2.2. Um, and they lock out. And then there's this material that you velcro on and velcro it tight. And then you can get a print on the material. And so I got a print that looks like wood so that on the camera, it looked like they'd come to my studio, but a lot of it was in their lounge rooms, you know, hotel rooms, at my house sometimes, but usually somewhere else, like in a hotel room. So, yeah, sometimes it would be in Wollongong, like Bo Ryan, that was in my home. Um, But then a lot of the time I'd finish work. uh, This is when I was working at Port Kembla Coal Terminal. I'd finish work. I'd ask my boss, could I leave? Instead of leaving at 5 o'clock, could I leave? So 7 to 5, instead of doing 7 to 5, could I do 7 to 3? Go in at the Coal Terminal, have a quick shower, get in the car, all that stuff would be ready. I'd drive up, unpack everything, set everything up, do the interview, pack everything down, drive back to Wollongong from Sydney, um, and then get up and, you know, go to work the next day. Yeah. And that was for a while, but I don't know. It just was like, I'm committed to this. So I was never sitting there going, oh, woe is me or whatever. It was like, I'm committed to this now. So it just is what it is. And
1: was there anyone, it's obviously a lot easier now when people are starting a podcast in whatever niche, because there's usually, you know, a handful of people at least that have done it that you can kind of see, okay, that's sort of the path forward. That's a rough format. But was there any independent sort of podcasts like this or were you just like looking no. up, I know like you, you talk about like Fatty and Bo Ryan and Matty Johns is like those guys who started from traditional media and, and built that content over there. Mm. Was that kind of like your rough sort of inspiration in, in terms of doing it in an independent way or did no. you have a structure for like how I'm going to interview people or?
0: No, not really. Not really. I, um, you know, there was, I'm there, I'm sure there were podcasts around back then, 2014, 15, but there was there was no plug pod, podcast I was looking at in Australia that had the blueprint you know at all. I mean, there just wasn't like businesses weren't sponsoring it, therefore it wasn't a you know a real I guess a real business venture because you couldn't generate income. Uh, in regards to like Maddie, Fatty, and Bo, that was you know they laid the platform in the sense of not necessarily the pathway to do it, but rather, ex sports athletes stepping out of their comfort zone and being. Uh, media personalities. It seems very normal now, as as uh, consumers of sports content, of like, oh yeah, of course, of course they can be personalities. But back then, you know, as a footy player, you'd get even just doing an interview with a journal, you would get pizzled for it. Now, Matty Johns is a little bit different because he was so loved by his locker room that he could just do whatever he wanted. And I've spoken to him about it. Um, but I'm sure Fatty, and that, you know, the boys gave him stick initially, and people might say, oh, there, there was commentators back then. Yeah, commentators is different to a personality, and that's what Fatty and Sterlow and Bowie were. So they, they was, they led the way of like, okay, it's, it's okay for ex-footy players to, you know, put their personalities on show. But in regards to that format of sitting down for an hour and a half, two hours with, with rugby league players, there was no path, but it couldn't be that much different to, to Joe Rogan because initially I was just going to do interviews with anyone. And then I said to myself, well, if I'm doing interviews with anyone like Joe Rogan is, then technically I'm competing with Joe Rogan. Whereas, why would I want to compete in a market where, you know, he is so dominant and so big even back then. Why not compete in a market that no one has done it before and I have a leg up, which is i played NRL so I can get NRL players on. And that's when I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do sports NRL players and then obviously expand a little bit into to athletes.
1: You mentioned now obviously like there wasn't people sponsoring podcasts back then. Half the people wouldn't even know what a podcast is. At what point and how long into doing it does – sponsors start to come and you're able to start generating a little bit of revenue so you can make that decision eventually to go full-time to to leave the apprenticeship behind. And was there a period in between that that deal that you got that allowed you to go full-time where you're earning a little bit of money or went from nothing to like a full season sponsorship with Moneyball that you could quit and go, what was that kind of transition like into making a bit of money and then (laughs) making it a career?
0: Well, so Moneyball reached out to me um and i'm forever grateful that they did that it's so it's frustrating when you're at this first you know one of the first at something um and look i'm sure there were other podcasts in australia that were doing things like but again it's very hard to remember as in it's not hard for me to remember but for the general public to remember like back in 2014-15 like podcasts were not a thing in australia um and not a thing in regards to like i don't even think they're mainstream yet but they weren't even the in, in consciousness of mainstream like you, I would ask people to come on, come on my podcast. I'd say, what's, what is a podcast? (laughs) Um, anyways. Yeah. So basically like in regards to Moneyball, they reached out, but what can be frustrating when you're at the forefront of something is like, you just want to shake companies and be like this, trust me, you're going to get so much bang for buck and so much value, but because, and you're still doing it today. Like it, Still today, um, there are companies like big companies, and look, understandable. I get it. When you've, you let's say you're a successful company and you're killing it and you're making millions and millions of profit, and you've been doing it this one way this whole time, why would you change? You know, why would you change? So I understand it, um, but yeah. So Moneyball were really forward thinking. They got on board. It was a three month deal, um, and yeah, like
1: so one three month deal. When you're like, I'm ready to, I'm
0: done, I'm ready. Yeah, everyone was like, don't do it, don't do it, and I was like, nah, I'm just going to like stuff it like I'm going all in here. What's the worst? can Like the worst that can happen, they don't re me, I'll go pour beers. I don't care. Like it doesn't matter. Like sweet. It Like what is – because I think a lot of people, they create this monster in their head that doesn't actually exist, this monster of failure of like, oh, man, if this doesn't work out, my whole life's going to end. It's like, will it? Like just go pour beers. Like go be a tradies assistant. Go labor somewhere. Like there's so many ways to get a good hourly wage in Australia. If it all fails and you can't go back and get your old job, just, you know, just go labour for a little bit. Like, yeah, it's tough work, but do you want to live an extraordinary life? You have to take risks. It's that simple. A hundred percent.
1: And what period does it get? Because looking back in the content, there's a there's a period, I'm not sure where that is, that everything seemed to level up. There was like the new kind of the first like wooden-ish looking studio. It goes from like the locker room to bloke in the bar. At what point do you make these decisions and, like, it begets, like, another level of seriousness.
0: Mm. Um. So, yeah, you had that initial sponsorship money ball and then William Hill came on board Um, and then that just – that ended in a disaster. So it was actually as, as, as you know, short a time back as – I think it was, like, 2018 or so where the, the podcast, like, had no sponsors and uh-huh. it was like, oh, shit. Um, And so, like, it sounds – yeah, it sounds silly, but when it all like exploded or whatever, it's so cliche, it's so corny. But it's when I put my own personality forward and started just being myself, because my um, my mo from the get go was it's not about me, it's about the athlete. People aren't coming to listen to me talk about whatever; they're coming here to hear their favorite athlete's story. So it's I'm basically how do I almost like a, a good referee? The better the referee, the less you notice them. That's the way I wanted to do it, and then eventually. Like I don't know why I started doing it, but I started just creating content and, you know, doing some React content to some tries and all that kind of stuff. And this was years and years ago. And yeah, it just just went from just level to level. And now, ironically enough, our biggest episodes are me talking about rugby league rather than the interviews with the players, which is mind blowing to me, but it's the way it is.
1: Now you mentioned there has been like over the years, obviously when you're in such a new media and you're relying on sponsors to, you know, the lights on essentially you had moments now where you'd have a sponsor the company would get acquired new owners would come in and they'd be like yeah thanks but no thanks we, we don't want to go ahead with this contract what do you do at that point when you've got no other sources of income but everything you're doing with bloke how do you react first of all like emotionally you think fuck what i do here and then practically is was it difficult to find new sponsors or by that time you know, you've, you've made enough noise, people know who you are. Um, it
0: was a- oh, it's still, mate, it's 100%. Back then, super tough to get sponsors. Even, even today, you know, going, it's not super tough anymore, but it's not easy. It's not like, you know, Fox Sports that uses these or at Nine or whatever that uses these huge media companies that, you know, pretty much like they can get sponsors like like that. Um, so it's still it's still a grind. Like you still got to go out there, show them the numbers, say, look, we got X amount for this company. Look out, like we generated this much money for them. Um. But it's a bit of a mixed bag because at the same time that was happening, I had just gone up to the Gold Coast to help my brother with a bar that he had opened. He opened a tapas bar that didn't work out and so he needed some help. And so that at all, the podcast and that had gotten put on the back burner because I had gone up there to kind of save the bar. I was still doing it but nowhere near as aggressively. And so it was actually an even worse position that I was in because I had this bar that, you know, was in a dire strait, plus the podcast money had stopped coming in. and I'm just a big believer, just keep turning up. It's it's the beer's motto. It's literally bloke's motto, bloke turn up. Um, you just keep grinding. And also, like, I just always say that as long as you've got a roof over your head and you can eat, like, is it that bad? It really isn't. Like, it really is not that bad. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people were, you know, what are you doing? And, you know, when you have those kind of awkward conversations with people that love you and kind of make you feel like – people that try to tell stories of, oh, my my brother or my mom or my girlfriend said, oh, you should go and do this, and they put it in a negative light of like, oh, they didn't believe in my dreams. It's like that's such bullshit. They just love you, and all they want is the best for you, and that is a safe option to go and do that because they know if you go and do the safe option, at least you're going to pay the bills, at least you're going to be able to – all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, you have all these like conversations where you know they're coming from the best place, but you've just got this firm belief that it's – I just kept thinking in my head like logically – it makes no sense that this won't work. It just has to. Eventually, if you stay in it long enough with this concept of building a platform and then building your own business off it, it just if you're in the game long enough, how could it not work? Like it just doesn't make any sense to me and I just kept. Yeah. So
1: did you have bloke beer started before the bar?
0: Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, it got to a point where we had to stop brewing bloke beer uh, to sell in bottlose because we had to focus on the bar because the bar was so far behind. Um, I mean, yeah, it got to a, a very, very hairy point for a while there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just your typical, any business, especially with a big outlay in beer and a bar as well. Um, yeah, like, yeah, just one of those tough times. You just got to keep grinding.
1: What was the major lesson or like realization that you took away when you well, I moved on from the bar from that whole experience. Because for people that don't know, it's a fucking pretty crazy story. Like you had to move back home then you are living in your parents' place and they were living in their parents' place. And you're like, I can't even really afford to pay rent. all the shit has gone on with the bar. It's, it's almost like your own, you've had like a shooter. Have you read shoe dog or listened to?
0: uh I read the start. I haven't finished. Oh, it no. like,
1: just even audio book it. If you're not yeah. much of a reader, the shoe dog story with Nike, the amount of times over 20 years that this guy should have went out of business and was losing. Nike didn't make a profit for like decades.
0: People, people think that, it's just like this, no. right? people listening. People think it's just a direct kind of line, a gradual line upwards. It's really not. Like it's up, it's down, it's up, it's down even further. Yeah, like the bar eventually became a, a success and and really, really good. But, yeah, there was um, for most of the time I was living in my family's home, they were living in their parents' home, and the rent from the family home they usually got off people renting the family home was, you know, helping them leave. Pay their bills, yeah. And so the stresses that it was putting on the family was just – it was enormous and that's why, you know, anyone else in that environment would have said, Denim, we need the rent. Like we need to get paid because we need money But like, because they're your family. They love you so much. And so I'm forever like, you know, they know I'm grateful. But, um, it, yeah, like the pressure of all of that going on, then you've got other things going on. Like you've got, you know, other people involved. It's just the pressure of all of it. But I just had a firm belief that, you know, even if everyone was like, look, you're on your own. I would have said, this, this is going to work somehow. It's going to work somewhere. Not that it ever got to that point, but I just had a firm belief that. If you just keep turning up, it'll work.
1: So what was the turning point to turn the bar out? Because mm. hospitality is fucking hard, man, to yeah. make money in that, like the margins are <laughs> razor thin and if Crazy. you don't hit the right amount of people in, inside, like yeah. it's so easy to lose money.
0: Well, so the turning point for everything really, so <laughs> we um, basically we built up such a great brand, like obviously Bloke was so good and we had people that were interested in, you know, acquiring part ownership ownership of it. Um, and that just gave us enough capital to release me from just doing the bar stuff. And so that gave me, you know, it wasn't heaps, wasn't this crazy amount, but it gave me enough, like enough money to live on so that I could focus on the content side of things. And then as everything was exploding and going crazy, um, purely off the fact that instead of me, I was literally pouring beers, you know, all week long, instead of me doing that, I was actually back to doing the podcast, back to creating the content, which is ironic because like if I just had a believed in myself initially with the podcast and stuck to it,
1: yeah. I would have been
0: five years ahead of where, but the detour, anyway, it's, it's hindsight. But oh, then you wouldn't
1: be who you are. You wouldn't yeah, think the sure. way you are. You wouldn't work the way exactly. you are. Like, you like, you can't, you, can't you can't say those exactly. types of things. Exactly.
0: Um, and so, yeah, like everything's going really well. Then COVID hits and, and when COVID hit, it was like, this is not good. Like this is not good for any, you know, physical location kind of stuff. And I was actually never a big believer in physical locations in the areas that I wanted to get into. I just think that they're, way too high of an expense for such little, um, return. Uh, you know, obviously you have to have offices and that, but you know, even small bars and that, you know, you're, you're outlaying hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to maybe get hundreds of thousands of dollars back. It's just not a good trade. Now, if you love doing that, that's your passion. That's great. Um, so I was never a big, big believer. I went into the bar to save the bar and make help sure that, yeah, out. help it out. And, um, and which is so good. Cause now he's a, he's a part of bloke now, which is great. He has his own thing, but he owns a part of bloke. Um, and so, yeah, we were like, look, let's just get rid of the bar because COVID's hit and this is going to be a nightmare. He's a doctor. So he could kind of, you know, see what was happening and blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, we got rid of the uh, the bar and focused purely on content and the beer in stores. And then that's just everything. Was it a weight lifted
1: off your shoulders when you got rid of the bar?
0: Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Because, again, it was never about – it was a sick bar. It was such – like, don't get me wrong, I, I miss it sometimes, rolling in. On a Saturday, everyone's watching the footy, having a good time, just seeing people smile. Like I definitely missed that. Um, But it was never my intention to do that. That was just a little detour to sort some things out. My intention was always create content online and then, you know, sell the beer or a product, you know, online kind of stuff. That
1: being said, with the trajectory blokes on as a whole, do you envision in a day maybe there's like a bloke experience bar where it's not about, the you know, making profit. It's about having that one like one-on-one touch point with the bloke community where they can come and enjoy it or – Mate, Too many
0: scars, mate. You'd have to get like it'd have to be the craziest. Like the thing is, and this is just a small experience. Leasing is so overpriced in this country; it's crazy. Like it is absurd because these huge, you know, buildings and that they don't they don't care. They like just churn through the next person that comes through. it doesn't bother them? They've got the real estate that it almost has to be filled. Now, granted, there are some that aren't filled, but in key key areas, they don't. It's just it's just not financially worth it, and it's and also not even financially worth it it's not worth my time. It's just like my time of being in that bar. And I actually think the smarter idea, and this is something that we do want to do and probably are going to do going is pop-ups yeah. because you get that experience without having a fucking five-year lease, you know, like, so I think pop-ups are way more valuable. You get to in- enjoy the community that you've built but at the same time, you don't have the massive, massive liability or massive, you know, gun to the back of your head of this lease and this business you've got to run and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, full time employees, all that jazz. Everything. Now you mentioned, like, obviously, you guys have built a really good brand in, in 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 your space in Australia, and obviously, naturally, investors and people that are interested are going to start having conversations. And you know, we've got them many, many times. Hey, you're open to X, Y, or Z, full or partial. Was it a difficult decision for you to part with part of bloke or did it just make too much sense strategically in terms of helping the vision roll out?
0: Oh, not really. Not in the industry, like not in the beer industry. Like I knew for sure that you would need a partner. Okay, um, yeah. The beer industry, the the barrier for entry for costs, crazy. Um, so I always knew that was going to happen. Uh, was it difficult to part with ownership? Yeah, to a degree, but, you know, as you probably know, like, you can own you can own 90% of a company but it actually what it comes down to is the board and how many votes you have so ownership it's relevant to a degree but what really matters is the board how many votes do you have in your side in your pocket and how many you know votes does the new person have coming in that's the important thing so someone could come in tomorrow and buy 90% of your company and you, and people go oh my god that means that you're just going to get told what to do all day long it doesn't work like that what the key uh I guess, negotiation would be, let's just random number. You go, all right, I'll give you 90% of my company, but you've got to give me two board uh, board positions and you guys have two board positions. And what does that do? That creates an environment where they can never outvote you because that's, you just put your best friend or your brother in there yeah. and then you both go, when it comes to a vote on something important, you just go like, you know, we're just not going to vote for that. And then it's a stalemate, then it can't go through. Um, not that you ever want to board doing that, because then it's then it's really um, you know, toxic. But that's worst case scenario. Um, I've been extremely lucky with my partners. Like they've been fantastic and they they're um experienced operators, so they understand founders' importance to a business. Um, and so they they understand that usually, usually the founder knows best. Now that's not always the case. Sometimes experience can help. Um, but at the moment, yeah, it's a great relationship. Like a really and I'm not just saying that just to placate. Um, but it is really good relationship. But
1: like you said as well, like you're an ex-professional athlete who, yeah, you've got 10 years experience in content, but business relatively new for you. So partnering with the right people who may have strengths in areas that aren't your, you know, strengths yeah. can be really beneficial to the business. Now it's crazy to think, so obviously all that happened, closed down the bar. So really bloke has properly exploded on over the last- well, like so, Sold two, the bar, sold the bar. Yeah, like that all <laughs> done, like two, three years, over the last two, three years, shit's really- seems like that's when things have really happened and started to explode you mentioned you getting f- like freed up again to do content and and and, and what whatnot what were the things you're actually doing you said you know putting your personality into the content mm. actually going straight back into like selling on-premises in 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 like bottle and in bars and stuff but what was like that first six months of you having your time back what were the key areas of like output that you were working on that mm. just had like the biggest impact on on bloke and the Trajectory,
0: just just good content, really. Um, You know, unique content, content that hadn't really been done in rugby league before, um, an angle in rugby league that hadn't been done before. Uh, So you'd get all your podcasts, you'd get. I hadn't even really initially. I didn't even do the reviews and the previews. It was still just interviews with players. Then eventually, I started just doing um, reviews. Literally, I'd have a how could I say not not really a co-host because he didn't really talk that much. He would just. Kind of just ask a question, then I would just talk by myself. Um, so I did that bit for a bit, but yeah, it was just like a big focus on content. Then also just super aggressive with the beer and getting into as many stores as possible. And and it was just me and one other guy at the time. Um, and yeah, and he was just a a really good salesman and went out there and I think got us into a hundred stores before launch, which is crazy, you know, looking back on it. And then it was just about mixing, uh, doing all the content, but also you know going in and speaking to the independent bottle shops and the owners and know, trying to get as many people to their stores as possible because I understand what it is to have, be a small business and all that. Um, yeah, so they were the two focuses really.
1: And bringing in other people, when did when did you make this decision to – obviously part of the bloke, you know, buzz was you being you and everyone getting to see what Denon's really like in your personality. But then over the last couple of years, you've brought in people like you're like Matty the Waterboy who's now actually not just behind the mic, but he's actually on it in a lot of the shows. You've got Timmy Williams. Um, you're bringing other people into this community and it's not just you. What was the thought behind that? Because that was really clear in the Hello Sport collaboration and whatnot who are 50 metres down the road. Was that strategic? And then how did you decide I'm going to bring certain people into the blow community?
0: Um, was, it was a mixture of a few things. Um, so it was I, I wanted to create basically an online sports network or at the very least rugby league network. And I was like, well, it can't just be me talking. You know, even if – even if most of it is around me, it still needs another voice just to bounce off because there's a lot of people that might be listening and they go, they just want something different just for, even for 20, 30 seconds. Um, and so, yeah, I was like, you know what? I've already got this Monday show that does really well. Um, I'm starting a Wednesday show and I'll I'll bring on Guru um, and give you an opportunity because what I liked about Guru, because like, the one thing with mainstream TV, and I get why they do it, and I, you know, basically the biggest ex players usually get the co-host roles, and and you know, rightly so, I, I understand it. But on the internet, it's all about the best content. So when you're on Nine or Fox or whatever, you have that slot no matter what. So you almost dictate to the audience, "This is the slot. You're going to watch it whether you like it or not." So what we're going to do is we're going to put the biggest names on possible just to have that that factor of. Um, you know, the elite, the best are reviewing the footy. Whereas on the internet, they don't care. Like you can have the greatest ever. I mean, a, a great example is this is um, I think it was Obama started a podcast with Spotify. It tanked. Wow. Like, it, like the internet does not care how big you are. Like there's so many stories of like Hollywood celebrities creating YouTube channels. Don't even, doesn't even pop off. It's terrible. And so I always always like, the co-host I get off, look, we've got the tick of there's an NRL player, which is myself. Am I Cam Smith? Obviously not. Like I'm not that. <laughs> but I played NRL. So that tick is off, you know, there. But I want to have the best guys that watch footy every single game, know every single detail. Because in the short term, yeah, you could get, I could easily get an ex NRL player on there and that would be great. Short term, the numbers would be great. But long term, the numbers aren't gonna be as great. Whereas a guy like Guru and Timmy and Maddie, and now we've got Hammy as well long term when those players, people sorry build up their profile where they're similar to a player so now they've got the profile tick that a player usually gets a profile tick but also they're delivering extremely good content and so long term it's much better to have someone that's actually good in that role cuz like let's be honest there's some uh hosts um that talk footy like they don't watch every game like you can tell they don't watch every game which is understandable it's fucking tough watching every game every week not tough as in Bad. It's just sometimes it can big be a commitment. Grind. Yeah, it's a big commitment. Um, whereas that's something that we offer that's unique. Like we got people on the panel watch every single game. So you're getting way longer podcasts with way more detail. Um, so that's why I decided to bring on Guru. Then I was listening to Timmy. I thought he was good too, brought him on. hammy love Hammy, funny. A bit of uh lightens up the Monday show a little bit and someone for me to bounce off sometimes. And Hello Sports, similar situation. I thought they were, you know, really talented. And I just wanted to give them I always promised myself that. If I got got successful, um, I would give other people opportunities that I never got. Like no, like you know, I had reached out to every network possible, and you know, given them all my ideas and said, "Look, I'd love an opportunity." Like there's so many years where I would have literally worked for minimum at like fifty grand a year. I would have been sweet. I'll do it. Um, they just weren't interested, and so I was always like. You know what, if I ever get to a point where I can give people opportunities, I'm going to do that because I I remember what it was like when no one would just, literally no one would give you an opportunity, no one would even answer your emails, like wouldn't even answer the emails, um, which is sweet. I get it. They're doing their job. They're, they're focused on all these other things. They're not sitting there, you know, going, "I'll oh, stuff this bloke. It's just the way it is. Um, and yeah, so Hello Sports super talented. So I'd love to give them an opportunity. Plus they obviously bring stuff themselves, their, their, their talent, um, and yeah, all everyone has has been really successful. It's been so good. And so has good.
1: the tables turned? Like now that you've exploded as big as you are, do you start getting knocks and inquiries from more traditional media, or are they in a way seeing you as like the enemy for the attention? So Not that really. They don't
0: really mix? you know. Like, I, look, I understand today it's very easy to be anti-mainstream media, and look, some of it is a hundred percent deserved for sure. But the mainstream media for me have, have been nothing but nice, like. Nothing but, because you got to remember, like, they're people. Like, mainstream media is just made up of human beings that you know, that live next door to you, that they're just the same as you. Um, So, they've all been really, really good because I haven't gone out of my way to have goes with them or have cracks with them. And also, like, you know, it's very easy to go, oh, Fox this or Nine this. It's like, they also create incredible content. We have to remember, Nine and Fox have invested, and they get something in return, don't get me wrong, but... Billions of dollars in rugby league. We all love rugby league. So let's say they just disappear tomorrow. What, what yeah. happens to our game? It's what happens? League, yeah. It goes. It goes. So as I said, I, I get it. There's some, just like in any industry, there are a few bad apples that do bad things. But for me at the moment, there have been nothing, you know, Fox and Nine have always been super nice, grateful, like graceful. There's been no dramas, no issues at all.
1: And for bloke personally, like I've noticed probably I'd say over the last 12 to 24 months, maybe not just covering footy. There's a little bit of boxing, a little bit of cricket, maybe a little bit of the tennis when it's on. Was that a decision you made to just slowly – obviously not doing podcasts and shows about them at this stage, but just covering it in oh, terms I'll stop of stop
0: you right there. I am Mr Cricket. You, I'm Mr. Cricket. Mr cricket. Mate, I'll tell you what, any, any listeners that listen to Bloke, they listen to right now, they know.
1: Okay, yeah. I'm so there's Bloke really. Cricket shows. I've missed it. I've no, missed we, it. we, we I? talk about
0: cricket, but okay, that, yeah, yeah, the, the yeah. joke is I don't know shit about yeah, cricket, yeah, but I talk yeah. about it. Okay. Um, no, it was always like eventually we would you know, branch into other sports. Um, but basically like we – Branch into sports that we know the league audience is most likely watching. And culturally relevant
1: as well. To the Exactly.
0: Exactly. Because like bloke in a bar is, you know, culturally tries to be, a you know, the way I see it is from the get go, I want to make Australian culture cool. Um, I feel like we focus so much on America and if that's your thing, that's your thing. Like is the cool thing and, you know, the basketball NFL. Yeah, it's cool to watch, but I think Australia is just as cool in my opinion. I think it's cool as shit. I think we should be proud of our culture and proud of our sports. Um, and so if there is something big happening in our culture, bloke should be, you know, reporting on it or whatever, or talking about it. Now we'll say, I'm not going to get into AFL. <laughs> we actually, you won't hear me talking about yeah, AFL yeah. because I have to put my culture first, which is rugby league is my culture. Um, you know, not to say I'm like some anti AFL guy, but it would be super weird if I was nah. like, what's going on guys, uh, in the AFL this week, this happened, this happened, this happened. like, that's, it's like, uh, you know. That's not my audience. My so, audience is regular. So, do
1: you see yourself? And I don't mean exact comparison. You're you're clearly very unique in your own way, but almost like an Australian Bastel sports. Like in, in the future, of I, where I you know people take it. make
0: that comparison. Like, yes, to a degree, but not as um, barstool sports a bit much. Like we're
1: obviously very over the top, and but, you know, yeah, leaning into. But I, I see
0: where you're coming from in regards to sports across different, you know, content across different sports for sure. Like that that concept. Um, Absolutely, to be, but in saying that, I don't really consume basketball TV concept, like the the content. I do know about Portnoy's story. Um, I don't really know how much they do or don't cover. Yeah, um, I would say that Bloke will always be, you know, we have our humorous side for sure, but always be a bit more. Um, I wouldn't say professional's not the right word, but for example, and and I look, I could be wrong, but I believe Bloke gives you the best rugby league. Um, an analysis in the country bar none. I personally believe that. Whereas like Barstool TV, I don't know.
1: It's not too much about the sport, right? Like As it is
0: much. and it is. I, 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 maybe they do, but I would assume there are other uh, NFL podcasts that give you a much more serious, deep analysis on NFL. Whereas I think Barstool is more about the fun culture around sport. Mm. And look, I could be wrong. As I said, I don't consume their content. But the idea of us being, you know, a cultural phenomenon in Australia, yeah, hopefully, hope so.
1: So you, do you consider yourself almost like when you're on one of these um, Monday podcasts with like it's like, what, like four or five guys now, are you almost like a little bit, maybe this is in review, it's hard to do live, like a little bit of a conductor, like maybe it was a little bit too dry and about the sport this episode, this one's, we're just fucking around laughing, Is too much comedy. Do you find like subconsciously you're trying to find that right balance between sport and personality and humor or and sometimes do you go too far in either either direction? Then you're like, actually, boys, let's clean it up a little bit here and so we can really improve the product.
0: Yeah, like a lot of people will watch Bloke and they'll think, oh, it's just – it flows so naturally and this is just normal. No, like there's – I'm sitting there making sure the flow is correct. You know, if we've been a bit serious for a while, I'll just put in a joke, make a fool of myself or something like that just to loosen it up a little bit. You know, if we're going too far down the jokes and I know – It's like anything, the more you do it, the more you know the vibe of it. So you'll just sit there and you go, okay, this joke's funny to us, but the listeners right now, like, I don't give a shit about your in-jokes. I've just watched Para Eels beat Penrith 30 to 6. I just want to hear about that. And so you've got to be always aware of, like, not what you want, it's what the audience wants. It's a mixture of, you know, this is my expertise, so obviously I've got to guide it, but at the same time, you've got to remember, especially the Monday show, People are tuning in because they want to relive that 80 minutes where their team just absolutely dominated someone else. They just want to relive it. It's they're, they're waiting for the podcast. They can't wait. Thursday's a bit different. We still do a bit of footy, but the expectation's different. When you come to the Thursday podcast, you know, we could you're gonna talk about laugh, yeah. anything and have a laugh. So it's just about setting the expectations, but then delivering on the expectations. You can all, like it's easy to set the expectations and not deliver. When you come on a Monday, you're going to get a a bit of comedy probably every minutes or so a bit of fun but it'll be like just a one-liner that'll just make you laugh a little bit and then boom you straight yeah. back into it whereas you go to thursday you might get 20 minutes of utter nonsense <laughs> um and so yeah it's just about what does the audience expect and then delivering that
1: and in terms of because you prioritize like content and the quality of content overall like do you have any favorite pieces of content i think for me as a consumer of, of, of some of the stuff you put up i haven't watched every single video but two things stand out for me from the last in the last year, obviously the breaking the curse, eating whatever that liver or thing was with the Hello Sport Boys. But also what I really love, because I'm also a cricket fan, the promo content that you boys did at the cricket nets with like Waterboy and, and Guru, like that shit. I was absolutely pissing myself laughing at. Where do these ideas come from? And do you have any favorite pieces of content from over oh the last man. little bit or
0: Yeah, that cricket one. It um, killed me, man. Far <laughs> out. It was so good. Um I, I don't know. I just I'd kind of, um, you know, just when I'm working out or chill, like sitting there, I'll almost have an idea or a concept of, or something that is comical. And then I'll almost begin to edit the video in my head. Like, okay, this is where I'd start. And then I'd say this and then I'd say that. And then I'd say this. And then, you know, within a day or two, it's probably edited in my head. And then I'll just, I used to edit them all, but then I'll go to Maddie and say, yeah. this is what I want you to to edit. Um, my favorite bit of content, Uh all right. I, I like the when we launched the mid-strength beers, the the turn up for your mate. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. When basically the content is, and they're, they're the the three pinned uh, videos on our Instagram. If you go to that, basically, Mitch Orbison is always known as like, he, his career was turning up for the boys, like <laughs> play any position, do anything. And so basically, the concept was you're in these situations that, you know. Are just absurd. Um, and you're like, oh shit. And then, and then basically, the, the Orbo or Fanukin, he can like smell on the air that he needs to turn up for the boys. And so, for example, like one of them, one of them was I'm coming out of uh, the house. I'm about to catch an Uber. I've been on a drink. I'm about to catch an Uber or a taxi somewhere um, to like have more beers. And I trip over. And uh, sorry, I I miss I miss a taxi. I miss Uber, and the the Uber app's not working. So I'm like, you know what? I used to be an athlete. I I should just run. I run. I trip over. When I trip over, Dalph Nukin can hear me. He runs like all the different shots of him running like hundreds of meters to me, and he carries me to the house that I'm having beers at. And so basically, it's just a funny thing about turn up like turn up for your mates. He carried me there as an Uber. That's, they're they're probably my three. Some of it
1: honestly gets to like SNL skit levels, like with the context around like the Australian culture and footy. It's so fucking funny, man. Um, I do want to ask some questions about footy. I only have a couple. I said, I didn't want to focus too much on that um, because of obviously I'm so interested in everything you have done, but two questions I wanted to ask about from your footy time, the decision to go over and play in New Zealand was one that I guess would have taken a few people by surprise at that stage in your career. Talk to me about that experience and I guess like the main thing is like, what was the lesson you took away from that, from that experience in NZ?
0: Um, well, it taught me how much I love Queensland and love home. Uh, look, that, that was just a decision that because I was so new to the game, I didn't understand the ramifications of I didn't understand the gravity of moving to a whole new country um, and, and what that would entail. And it was, it was just a perfect storm for it not to work, not from their end, from my end. Uh, look if I'm being honest and I still take full responsibility I made the choice in a perfect world though I wish I had got better advice from my management at the time I wish they had been like mate you've been playing footy for like two or three years you know you should, if you're going to go to a club go somewhere in Australia or stick it at the Broncos because they had an offer for me I mean the reason why I went over is because at the time the Broncos had told me I was third string winger at the club so I was like I feel like I'm in a role player now I was playing in a all at the time um, and you know, so basically my manager just came to me and said, like, we've got a deal from the Warriors. It was 90 grand a year. So it was, people think that I signed for like hundreds of thousands. It wasn't. dollars It wasn't. It was 90 grand a year, um, no match payments, which so actually if I played the whole season at the Broncos, I actually would have earned more at the Broncos than I would have at the Warriors. But they were offering, they. you know, you'll play first grade here. Um, and it's funny how footy works. Two weeks later, all of a sudden I was the number one winger at the Broncos club. And all of a sudden, they had more money to give me, and you know all that kind of stuff. But I had already verbally agreed. I hadn't said it to their faces. I hadn't shook any hands. But I already verbally agreed through my manager that I would go to the Warriors. And I just been—I'm a big believer. If you give someone your word, you follow through. You follow through. I just think it's—I don't know. I understand. Look, look. Put it this way: like if you're in a contract and you go to someone, you say, "I'm not happy." Is it okay if the league and they go, "Yes, it's okay if you leave." That is just a mutual thing that happens all the time in life where you can talk about it. But if you say to someone, I want to come and then you get these much bigger offers from all these other clubs and go, Oh, sorry, I'm not coming anymore. Then that's, I think that's not honorable. That does, that's not, that's not integrity. Um, And so, yeah, I was like, I'd already agreed to it. Yes. I could earn hundreds of thousands more at other clubs, but I said, yes. So I'm really proud of myself that I did that, even though there's an argument, it cost me my career. Um, but I can always know that I stuck to my word. Um, things I I learned whilst over there, how important off-field is for your life. I was in a really toxic, terrible relationship, um, not from my end, you know, from the other end. Uh, and it, it was just a perfect storm for it not to work. Um, and, yeah, so, like, it, it taught me a lot about having the right environment off the field to bring the best out in you. and. You know, when I was over there, the club was so, so good to me, but I just didn't open up because I was so – just dealing with so much and just was out of my, you know, comfort zone. And, and yeah, just a lot going on.
1: This goes back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Mm. It's yeah. undefeated. Like you can't – if, like, there's a fundamental issue at the home or with family, it's very difficult to perform at your best, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Who, who was the
1: Warriors coach when you were over there? Ivan Cleary. Was it Cleary? Yeah, Ivan Could Cleary. you – obviously he's, like, mm-hmm. from I think anyone – would fairly say he's a very different coach now to then, but were there like, obviously you're a young bloke yourself, but could you see him at that point so early in his career that he was going to turn into like this GOAT that he is now? Oh,
0: look, he was always a good coach, like super young. He'd already, um, you know, he led the Warriors in 2011, I think, to a grand final, like always a a really good young coach. There was no denying that. But anyone that's sitting here saying they could have seen this happening, even I don't think Ivan saw this happening. Like this is – This is seriously historic. I mean, obviously, it's historic. It's three in a row, but I don't think people – we're almost used to it now with this Panthers side. Oh, yeah, like three in a row. Like they're so good. They're so young. Everything's great. Like this does not happen. Like think about this. A team of the Melbourne Storm, coached by Craig Bellamy, who many think is the greatest coach of all time, with the greatest player of all time in Cameron Smith, arguably one of the greatest sevens of all time, the greatest fullback, Greg Inglis, Cam Munster, they couldn't even win back-to-back. Penrith have done three in a row. Like that is how good this this incredible Penrith side is. Like, it's it'll probably most likely in my lifetime never happen again with a, with a salary cap.
1: And what's your thoughts on this season? Obviously, even last year they they had a couple of losses. Matt Burden, William Kikau, people start you know, Api start saying, "Oh, this this will be the year that they fall off." Didn't happen last year. They've obviously lost more players this year. Stephen Crichton, amongst others. What do you think as someone who is like a proper footy nut in terms of would you put them as favourites, top 10? 100% two, top their favourites.
0: 100%. Like, if you, if the argument, after they won their first premiership, if the argument was, okay, it's hard to win back to back, you lose that fire, they come out and win their second premiership. In the third year, third year, if you still had that argument, I'd be like, that's a fairish argument that they may become complacent. That, that argument makes no sense anymore. They've done it three years in a row. Like, Three years in a row. So they're clearly their, – their energy levels clearly aren't an issue. Um, Their, their training loads clearly aren't – like it's not like they're getting to the end of the year and struggling falling off. and falling off. So, look, any team can get complacent at any time. But history which suggests over the last three years they don't get complacent and they don't get tired. So it's like, of course, they're favourites.
1: And Luai's last year as well. He's going to definitely want to step up and do Absolutely. something big. And I think that obviously – It's pretty well known like Penrith is probably the best crop of youngsters like ever coming through. Someone like moves on, then the next person steps up and it's like just as good, if not better.
0: Well, it's like – it's literally like Melbourne Storm. Like imagine the Melbourne Storm but in Penrith. Like so Melbourne Storm, what's so incredible about what they did, they're in Victoria. So like they have no junior base, like nothing like that. Imagine if you took their standards and went to Penrith. That's what the Penrith is. The Melbourne Storm standards in the best catchment of talent arguably in the country – um, like it's, it's incredible what they're building out there.
1: It is without a doubt. Now, the other thing I wanted to ask in terms of your playing career, um, was, you know, you probably look back and say it was a stupid decision now, but you fracture or break six ribs, puncture your lung, mm. which is like a car accident injury essentially. And three weeks later you're back playing. Talk me through that decision and how you got through that amount of pain.
0: Um, it just because you're you're just trying to prove yourself, you don't want to lose your spot, you're young. Um you just yeah, you just kind of because you're in that environment, you get desensitized to these kind of things. I think that unless you've been in a rugby league or an NRL sorry environment, you actually don't know how many players are playing with similar things like that. You know, you'd be shocked at the amount of players getting needled, shocked at the amount of players that have they need surgery, they've got like it's it's normal. Like by the end of the year, at least, you know, conservatively, at least six or so people need full-on surgery, probably 10, probably 10. There's some players that need surgery but don't get it because they don't want to miss, you know, preseason. So it was just a matter of – it's just that will to succeed that just pushes you.
1: And what's this is completely random and you probably um, – I'm sure you would have discussed this at length on, on Bloke. But on the Volkman situation, what's your thoughts on that? Like pretty – Shit, go for him! Like to leave the Warriors, give up a two-year contract, sign for the Dragons, do like a medical, and then find out he's got an issue and the contract isn't going to get registered. What's yeah? Yeah. Did you guys? Is that something you guys discussed or yeah? For sure.
0: Oh, it's it's terrible. I think that this young man has been incredibly poorly managed by everyone. Yeah. The Warriors, Dragons, his management, like to allow him to be in such a vulnerable state where he's no longer a contract this year. And people will say, oh, it was his decision. Yeah, to a degree. But we're talking about a 21-year-old with a bunch of grown men and women around him that should be advising him correctly and saying, mate, you can't do this, you can't do that. But That's what frustrates me sometimes is that, look, I'm very much about accountability. Like it's your decision, you're 21 years old. I get that. But the people around him are literally paid to make him the best he can be. Tell me any single person that did that in that situation. Where was the person saying, mate, do not sign this release until that that contract sorted? Where was the dragons that were sitting there going, we are not going to, um, you know, train you until the medical is passed. We're not going to announce anything. Like every single person failed Balkman. Um, I, I just want to know the truth. Like if he knew, he, like put it this way, if he knew that he needed surgery, then he probably, not probably, he should have spoken to someone and said, but if he didn't know that he needed surgery and people try to – I saw see some people kind of go, oh, he should have known. You don't know when you need surgery. I was playing a whole year with a broken rib and I didn't know. It, it took me scans at the end of the year to go, oh, actually, you've still got a cracked rib. So it's very hard to tell. He'll go, oh, well, he's in a lot of pain so he should have known. You're always in pain when you're coming through and doing preseason. It's just normal. Um, if So if he knew that he needed a Rico, very silly from him, very silly from him. But if he didn't know he needed a Rico, he's been failed by everyone. Even if he did know he needed Rico, he's still been failed by everyone. Their job in a position of influence, being older, more experienced, is to guide him as a young man, and he, I think he's been failed. Yeah, by sure.
1: Everyone. Like if he did know, surely someone has to advise him, hey, you've got a two-year contract. Don't take the risk.
0: I just – it's just people in positions have just failed him.
1: Is literally. the NRL looking into it? I know that his surgery and, and whatnot is getting covered by one of the club's is he going to get any sort of payment well, like he out of like contract? So he or? did get
0: paid out by the Warriors a certain amount. I don't know how much that was. Um, the RLPA would definitely look into it because yeah. like there's you no know, – like people go, oh, well, he's, he's got the surgery paid for and he got a payout. Yeah, that's, that's good things. But there's nothing like rehabbing in a professional environment. Like, So he's going to have to do all that rehab himself. Compare that to rocking up each day, being told by professionals exactly what you need to do. It's night and day, night yeah. and day.
1: Sad situation. Now I want to ask a couple of final questions before we send you on your way. Some are related to footy. Some is just some, some gen- general stuff. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you is obviously you're married now. You got a little bub. Um, how has being married and set- getting s- settled down into a proper mature adult relationship impacted everything you do in terms of bloke and how you just operate day to day?
0: Um, I think that the married part, I- I've always been quite motivated. So that hasn't really changed that much. And we fit each other really well, so it was not there was not much uh, friction there in regards to having changed that much. Uh, having a child, obviously, it's just that extra, you know, thought of, you know, do I stay at work a bit longer, or do I go home and help the wife? You know, she's been with the kid all day. Do I go and spend it, and take the kid from the wife for an hour or two, just to give her a relax, you know, just to relax her a little bit? Um, so you just got to think more about, you know, your partner and your your child that you just didn't do before. Before it was like, oh, I've got all this work. I'm just focused on me, the work. Whereas with a child obviously coming into the world, it's like, no, you've got a responsibility and also you need to keep your wife happy. So yeah, that's really all that's changed.
1: Yeah. Now in terms of the merch, pretty crazy that like some guy who who played 40 games of NRL can, you know, drop a lease, not run any ads, just post a couple of things on social media mentioned on the podcast you click live, a couple minutes later, by the end of the hour, you're selling, sold out thousands. What does that do to you? Do you take the time? Cause I've had moments like this. Do you take the time to like, you know, you do, when you just click play and you, you, you sell out, you know, the whole order and you and Maddie just sit there and be like, fuck man, like, how did I create this?
0: Yeah. It's, it's strange. Like, especially, you know, you go to a stadium and, or you're watching TV and you're seeing it in the background everywhere. It's bizarre because you're sitting there going, "That's an idea that came out of my head, like that didn't exist, and then it exists, and people are wearing it." Um, so very strange. Obviously, you get used to it, and you don't really, you know, sit back and go, oh, "How great this is," because then you're carrying on a bit. Um, I do remember the first time we had a relative, like so. This was before Maddie was part of the company. I remember wake we So we did a, a drop, a bloke drop with the first bloke shirts, which is a big bloke across the front. And I remember waking up and checking Spotify. And it was like, um, I think it was like fifty or sixty grand worth of sales. And I rang up um, the other guy that was going to package everything and send it out. I was like, oh, I think our Spotify is like stuffed up. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, oh, it says like fifty or sixty grand or whatever. And I was like, stuffed (laughs) up. He's like, no, that's I think that's it. I was like, so we were like ringing Shopify, going like, I think our Spotify stuff, Shopify Shopify, stuff up, like. Uh, and yeah and that, that's i couldn't believe it i was Mental. like what and like for people listening it doesn't mean you make 50 60 grand profit course, obviously yeah. you have to buy the product you have to send it out um but it was my i'd never like never seen so much money in such a short time in my entire life
1: yeah what's yeah you, you're exactly right i haven't thought about that when you go to watch any team play at a, a footy stadium you everyone in like at least one in 20 is a fucking bloke jersey or that's a bloke incredible. shirt doesn't it blow your mind when that's you're just crazy It's right
0: it's just bizarre like doesn't feel real. doesn't feel real.
1: What, what about your whole journey looking back to, to where you are now? Has anything surprised you or what stands out as the most surprising thing that you probably couldn't have predicted?
0: Oh, the most surprising thing is um, just how much love I get from people. That's like I remember years and years ago, I think it was like 2018 or 19, I went to a festival with my wife and just like the love I got, I was like, you guys actually like me this much? That is crazy to me. Like I almost don't feel uh, worthy of it. Um and I, like, it's just, it's a strange feeling because, you know, you have an idea of who you are and they have an idea of who you are. And so that's always different. It's always different. Um, and so that it's just a strange feeling like they see you and listen to you all day. And there's this kind of idea that is larger than life, I think, to a degree. Whereas in your head, you're just like, I'm just a normal person, normal. bloke. not to say that I'm some hero or anything. Um, yeah, that's that's the strange, the strangest thing is like, that idea that you kind of exist as an idea in all these people's heads, but that's different to your idea of yourself kind of thing.
1: Yeah, and everyone feel like you might bump into someone on the street. You've obviously never seen them, but they feel like they're your best mate because they've the listened time. to hundreds of hours of you talking. Man, the
0: amount of times I've been going for a run and people are like, holy shit, man, I'm listening to you right now. <laughs> it happens all the time. And I'm just like, fuck, that's so buzzy. It's so I'm so grateful. As I said, like every day I wake up and it's not even a like – you know, cringe every day. I wake up and feel lucky. Like genuinely, every day I'm like, this is, I'm literally living the dream. Literally, like I get to talk about footy, sell beer, and that's like that's the dream. Like, what else is it? Tell me something better that a like could do.
1: Every guy's dream. Just chat to your mates about whatever sport. For like, so we did hours. a we
0: did a seven hour podcast on last Thursday, and then Monday when I was driving in to go to the gym, I messaged Maddie and I was like, that's weird. Like, I wish we were doing like another podcast today, Uh, that, that's, you know, that doesn't happen for people. Usually they got to go to a job. They don't like, they're grinding out, you know, so many, like there's so many parts of their job. They don't like, I literally just get all the enjoyment, all the benefits. So I'm, I, I get it. Like I'm super, super lucky.
1: We were speaking about this right before we um, started recording, but what's more important for you? I spoke about it from my perspective, but like, if you look at say the next 10 years, what are you more worried about how much money you make or how much you enjoy the next 10 years?
0: Well, it's it's really I understand like let's say you're right now you're on you know 60 grand a year and someone says to you oh money doesn't matter it's like man shut up money matters money matters like uh but once you get to a certain point so let's say that's you took that same 60 grand person and you put them on 150 or 200 grand and then you then you had the conversation to them you know uh do you really like and you said to them okay you've got to trade all your time with your wife all your time with your child and you'll be worth you know 30 million or whatever, then their answer might actually be quite different because I know mine was. So when I was starting, it was like, oh, man, like so focused on how good would it be, $50 million, $100 million, all, all the stuff you watch movies about and, you know, you're, it's, it's not reality. But then when you get to a certain point where you don't have to worry about how you're going to pay your next bill, you don't have to worry about, you know, can you afford groceries, I'm, I'm still – So then you get to that point, and you're like, I'm just grateful I have that because I remember the time when that was a stress for me. Um, And so now, when you're in that position of privilege and comfort, it's like almost greedy to say, "Well, I want a hundred million dollars." Now, don't get me wrong. Eventually, if it is worth that much and that happens, that would be cool, great. Uh, But I'm not willing to sell my time with my friends, my wife, and my child for that. So if I get to have a good family life and be there for my child and my wife, and that ha- happens to happen, great. If it doesn't happen and I just get to wake up each morning, pay the bills without having to worry about it, live a good, comfortable life, that's I've won the lottery, literally the lottery.
1: 100%. I love that. I think that's a perfect place to finish, Denon. Um, you don't have to do these podcasts. Obviously, you're one of the top dogs, even though you don't <laughs> like to, to, to big yourself up in Australia in this whole game. Um, you've in, you've achieved incredible success, and you still find time for for people like me and this podcast and everyone in the community. So thank you so much. Um, we do have a different audience to you. A lot of them will already know where Bloke in the Bar is and what you guys do, but for those who don't. Where's the best place people can check you out? The content, the beer, the podcast, and all of that.
0: Uh, just type bloke in a bar in any search engine. <laughs> well, not any search engine. Um, <laughs> most search <laughs> engines. Most <My> search <laughs> engines. Let's clarify that. <laughs> and you'll be able to find you know, bloke in a bar. You hope <laughs> you're
1: not appearing on all of them. That'll be look, I fucking
0: hope so. I'll, I'll, be getting yeah. I'll get cancelled.
1: Yeah. Maddie set up some secret cameras <laughs> in the office. <laughs> anyway, bro. Yeah, look, I, I really, really appreciate it. You're the best, man. Th- keep doing what you're doing. We all appreciate you. So thank you very much. Thank you. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode or you got something out of it, do yourself a favour, do me a favour, do your friends a favour and share this with them and they can come along on this journey with us. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.